it's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Well, good evening, sports fans, and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk here on News Talk 1400 DWS. With you on this Monday night until 6 o'clock tonight, coming up tonight at 7. It's the Lovey Smith Show with Brian Barnhart on both uh, this station and our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. Matt Daniels is with us, the sports editor of the News Gazette, as always. Bob Osmussen here as well. Scott Ritchie also. Plenty of football talk. Some basketball chatter as well. We do have the phone line open, 356-9397, if you'd like to join us and offer your opinion on just about anything. Matthew, how you doing? Doing well, Steve. It's a dreary day outside here in Champaign. Uh, a little rain, a little cold. It's cold. It's football weather. It was a cold night in Madison. I saw that. I was nice and toasty warm here in <laughs> Devonshire Drive at News Gazette headquarters, but uh, looked it looked cold on TV. I think the thing that uh, affected me the most from in being there, we were in the radio booth. We had mm-hmm. the windows open. Yeah, Martin O'Donnell being the oh yeah the gamer Obviously. that he is has to have the windows open. And you don't disagree with Martin? I don't disagree with him at all. Uh, and what made it a little difficult for me the day before I played golf at Savoy. It was 80 degrees. It was 80 degrees. <laughs> Get up there and it was 35 at, at kickoff. So that, that's quite a uh, an impact change there. But uh, Bob, your thoughts on what you saw? You uh, watched it from Champaign, did you? I not? did. Uh, first book, first question was, did you have to park like 10 miles away like you usually do? No, or, you were. Uh, we were able to park in the, there's a parking garage on the north end of the stadium. Right, oh. Got in there. Now I'm jealous. Okay. Uh, yeah. Bob, Bob, Bob and I have some horror stories of walking across the Wisconsin campus. You went the wrong way. Yeah, we oh, did. Oh, well. It happens. <laughs> uh, you didn't see the big stadium there? <laughs> we we did. We just weren't sure. What it, I you think we went to high school stadiums there. I, I don't know what we ended up doing. It was, a forget, well, it was a forgetful day on many accounts because Illinois played awful that day, too. So it was just kind of a precursor. I think Matt and I are both. Directionally challenged is there? Oh, right? definitely. Okay, 150%. Now I've got a stroke to count it for it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just bad with directions. Bad. I'm horrible with them. So luckily, worst case scenario, we have to go to Wisconsin two years from now. So hopefully everything will be better by then. I looked it up. Scott it's, will go with you. He's better at directions. September, he is really good actually. Yes. September 3rd, 2022, Illinois plays in medicine. I believe it will be a lot different than that. But that game on Friday was honestly... And I've watched Illinois for 30-plus years. It was about as bad on both sides of the ball, except for Tariq Burns, as I've seen Illinois play, period. There's, I can't think of a game that was as bad on both sides of the ball. So They well, lost 63 nothing to Iowa two years yeah, ago. Yeah, but that game was yeah, Better. That's true. <laughs> similar. But this was, this was dreadful. This was just, you know, especially I think that game two years ago, the expectations for that Illinois team were not nearly no. what they were for this team. A much different deal. And I think Iowa two years ago was probably considered 
better than Wisconsin going this game. I think people, I, I don't add Wisconsin, I think number 15, 14, like that. But they're not a Big Ten champion team, I don't think. Now, they look like one Friday for sure. Scott Ritchie was there as well, one of the limited uh, group of Illinois media allowed to go. I think, uh, not counting the radio team, which there were four of us, um, there were six other beat writers there, correct? Yeah, and we were all socially distanced in the press box, you know, at least six feet you know, between us. And, um, and there weren't that many more Wisconsin beat writers either. I mean, they obviously they had more, but it wasn't. It was a it was an empty press box for the most part, and just another part of the kind of surreal day that led into a just a, a truly awful football game. You know, it was a fourteen to seven game with ninety seconds to go in the first half, and you thought, well, you know, maybe this might turn into a game, and then uh, quickly it uh, turned into a rout. Yeah, if you just take a couple of those plays away, though, Illinois. In the <laughs> All right, Coach Beckman. <laughs> Coach Beckman is with us. Uh, yeah, I was I was in Seattle when he said that after the Washington game, and it didn't really hit me <laughs> at that time when he said it, and I listened to it later. But again, going back to Friday night, like Bob said, the, the expectations were. I'm not saying Illinois was expected to come out and play for a national title in 2020, but I think they're expected to be a lot more competitive. Uh, that's kind of the you know the main focus we've heard. From Lovey Smith and his players for the past 10 months or so, is this is going to be his best team at, at Illinois in his fifth season. And on Friday night, they looked far from it. And again, though, when Tariq Barnes, you know, scooped up that fumble that I don't think anyone really thought was a fumble at the start and, and went in and scored from 39 yards out, it's a one-touchdown ball game at that point. And you're thinking, okay, Illinois has got a chance here if they can get a stop, and, and then we'll see what happens in the second half. But then Graham Mertz turned into the second version of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre combined and uh, just had his way against the Illinois secondary. Yeah, Mertz was named uh, the co-offensive player of the week. You know, uh, Justin Fields had the same line of 20 of 21 mm-hmm. passes for Ohio State. but uh, And Mertz uh, reports out of Madison that he had tested positive for covid they were supposed to have a second test today to confirm that. We're never going to hear that, Steve. We're we'll know it by that. Saturday, I guess. We'll, we'll know when Graham Mertz doesn't play for three weeks right. If, right. They, if he was positive. But I don't think – I don't think – I think I'm Wisconsin. I'm not telling anybody anything. Well, I think word's going to leak out. I but think, I, think, I think it will. Frankly, this shows a problem. And I talked to Steve, Steve about this earlier. I think the Big Ten has to be upfront about this stuff. I think they need to say, hey, Joe Smith's gonna, not going to play. He's got COVID. And – it's it's just not reasonable to try to keep this uh, stuff secret. It's not fair to everybody. It's not fair to the fans. Not for the players involved. Not for the teams. I think it's, and it, I know there's some health, privacy issues involved. I, I'm pretty sure you can waive those privacy concerns. Player says, "Hey, I'm sign a play. waiver. Yeah, sign a waiver. I think a waiver always gets you through anything." Well, but uh, I, I'm sure if you're an Illinois football player, if you're uh, part of the Illinois defense, maybe the one of the first things that went through your mind Sunday night when you start hearing that Graham Mertz tested positive for COVID-19 is, okay, do I have it now? Right. Well, I asked, actually, asked. No, I they t- never tackled him. Well, that right. Is, I, I talked to Rod, Rod Perry we'll about him this. twice. Yeah, I, know. I talked to Rod Perry about this today. I said, Are you were you concerned? He said, I thought about it for a second, and I was like, nah, probably not. Uh, again, he hit him. He, I think he had one of the sacks, mm-hmm. didn't he, Scott? He had a, yeah, at least a half, half sack. Half sack. So he was near him, but. Again, as I understand the disease, I don't think that, you know, briefly touching somebody as you sack them and move away from them, 
I don't think that's a real great danger. I think the bigger danger would be sitting in a room with Graham Burtz for an hour post-game as a, a reporter might or as a coach might. I think that's a concern. So I think I think the Illinois players are probably fine, plus especially they are being tested all the time. But the Wisconsin players, there are some concerns. Concerns there, not just in that in that quarterback room, but beyond because you assume Graham Mertz has been around all these guys, and God knows what the, what post game was like. He probably had one of the biggest celebrations ever. Again, I don't know. I, I just think there's some dangers there. Certainly. Well, Lovey Smith said there had no there are no positive cases for Illinois today, but. Yeah, that's, right. not how, that's not how this works. I mean, no. if Graham tested positive on Sunday, it's going to be four or five days. And right. If 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 there was any transmission to an Illinois player, the, the good thing, the hopeful thing, is that Graham was not was not contagious during the game, which is possible. He just tested negative, so it's possible he was not contagious. Right. I mean, it's possible. I found out Saturday or Sunday, you got it. So. Again, I know more about epidemiology than I ever thought I would need to know. I can't believe I can say, actually say the word. I did, I, it took me some time, but I get through it. In other COVID news, Jeff Brom, the oh, Purdue man. coach who missed the game over the weekend, he, he sent his family to <laughs> Ross-Age Stadium, right. so he had the house to himself as he <laughs> was quarantined. Wait, so they should have taped him. That would be, that, be yeah, funny. I'm sure how dreadful would that be if you were him? Yeah. Just excru- excruciating for a And he said today he'll report back to work on Wednesday and uh, be here to coach the ball game, provided nothing else pops up, so to speak. It's a and long ways away. It is. It really is. It's five days away. But again, they got through the first weekend of the Big Ten games with, without any real travesty or anything. And I, I go back to baseball. World Series is almost done. They're going to finish, okay? Mm-hmm. Nobody, uh, two months in, or a month into the season, nobody thought they'd finish. So I think this is telling us some things that, hey, this is obviously a horrible thing, but we can't get through it. And football, Big Ten football, can get through it. This is Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. It's 520. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397 is the number. We'll take a break. We'll talk about... Some of the concerns for this Illinois football team, some potential bright spots. If you have an opinion, give us a call. We'll take that breakdown. Be back with more after this. 524 is the time. Monday night sports talk is the show. WDWS is the station. Bob, what's on your mind? You you were raising your hand. I wasn't made. Well, I something I, I you guys might know this or not. Marcus Jackson. You heard his big news? No. He is engaged. What? He is. Marcus Jackson We got to get engaged. him on the phone. We should. Well, got to get his fiance on the phone. Well, it'd be a better question. <laughs> uh, Steve played the music that Marcus used to lead us in with, so that reminded me of that uh, earlier in the show. But, yeah, Marcus, so congrats to Marcus. He may be listening. I'm not sure, but he. Sometimes he, he does. He texts me a few he times. Does, when so. he anyway, he sent me last week. He sent me a picture and showed me a picture of the ring and all that stuff. So congrats to Marcus and his fiance. That's awesome. I miss seeing Marcus Jackson. Me too. One of my favorite guys. Phone line is open at 525. Eric is with us. What do you say, Eric? Good evening. Hey, hey guys. Um, Bob, Bob, an interesting topic. What game it reminded me the most of. And I, I too, thought of that Iowa game from two years ago. But the one that popped into my mind was, you might remember, the White Sox were in the World Series at the time. Penn State was here in 2005. 63-10, where they didn't throw the ball once in the second half. You remember that game. I, that, I do. That's what this one reminded me of. 
That was uh, <laughs> that was Joe Paw being nice. Yep, is what it was. Right. I think Ron Zook after the game said, "I wanted to thank Coach Paterno for being so friendly and not scoring a hundred points, which he could have." So I, that's a great comparison. Exactly. That's very similar. That that's a really you're right on there. That's perfect. And uh, you know, I once had a boss. Uh, I, I wasn't doing a heck of a lot at work one one stretch for a while. And a boss asked me, "What have you What have you been doing?" And that was exactly what popped into my head when I thought, "What have these guys been doing since June?" You know, because they didn't have a game plan. They didn't. They didn't have an idea. What were they? What were they? What were they trying to accomplish out there? Because what's his, uh, Peters was targeting one guy what, like nine times, and, time, and time. your 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 tight end who they brought in who's. Dad is already yapping. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter about you know transferring. Who's very unhappy? I mean, yeah. So you know that's that, those are the things that jumped out to me. That that particular Penn State game and what the hell have they been doing all summer? We haven't seen them practice, so perhaps they're not practicing. No, I'm kidding. But I I do wonder that it's clearly clearly they were their expectations were much greater than their actual reality for them. I think that's mm-hmm. obvious to me, and I think you have to give Wisconsin a lot of credit. They played a great game, but Illinois should not be losing Wisconsin by, by that kind of in that kind of game. They should not. Period. No, I agree. Just wanted to chime in, guys. Do, do a good job. A good job on your show. Yep. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Anybody else wants to call? Give us a call. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. Scott Ritchie, let's try to find before we go with the concerns with this football team after one game. Let's try to find a couple of bright spots if we can. Uh, Jake Hansen uh, getting hurt is not a bright spot, but the guy that replaced him, Tariq Barnes, had a decent game, 11 tackles. We didn't know much about him. He had the fumble return for the interception, and he had a sack. Yeah, and, and he was thrust into a, a bigger role than maybe you know expected when you know Jake Hansen w- was pulled from the game, and that was kind of a, a scary situation. You know, certainly. You know, got his bell rung, and it, and it took Kalen Tolson bear-hugging him to keep him upright, so that was kind of awful. But Tariq Barnes you know, answered the call and was making plays for a defense that needed somebody to do that. And you know, he got he was one of the few true freshmen last year that didn't redshirt and you know, played mostly on special teams, but you know, he showed against uh, Wisconsin that you know, he could play a bigger role. And, and what that will be you know, if Hanson – you know, is healthy. You know, it's kind of to be determined. But you know, on a night where nothing really went well, you know, Tariq Barnes played well, and I thought you know, Roderick Perry in his Big Ten debut. I mean, the stats are never going to be great for defensive tackles, but you know, he, he was disruptive at the point of impact, really all night long. Uh, and you know that that's kind of made the only other positive from that game. And along those same lines, pardon the pun, the defensive line, I thought Keith Randolph made a couple of plays that showed that he could play at this level. Bob, uh, you got anything before we move towards the concerns? Yeah, that that's going to be a long conversation. Uh, Rod Perry, again, that was really uh, really impressive, I thought, because he was a guy last year playing in South Carolina State, which is a fine program, but not Big Ten level. And he jumped in there. It looked like he'd been could have been playing that level his whole career. So again, I just got off the phone with him an hour or so ago, and he's a very good person, great talk, great talker, and has a lot to say. 
He told me he doesn't like to be called Roderick. So I thought, okay. So I said, who calls you Roderick? He said, my mom when she's mad. So I said, okay, <laughs> I guess it's Rod then from on. But um, he was really good, and he played well. They need more of those kind of guys. They need more people to stick, uh, stand out. Um, Milo Eifler, not being able to play in the first half, when he came in, I don't, don't know what Scott thought, but I thought he was kind of off. Do you, do you think that or not? Kind of followed the theme for the night. Yeah, I just, uh, he was, yeah, he was done. The fact that, I mean, he couldn't tell that he had finally came in the game. Right. Is your answer. Because I, I don't know if he made an impact. He had one tackle. So. so are you more concerned, guys, about the defense, which gave up 45, or by the offense, which was supposed to be maybe the highlight or one of the strong points of this team that uh, couldn't muster any points at all. Yeah, I think the offense to me is more concerning than, than the defense. I think the defense has been a huge problem area for Lovey Smith in his 50 games at Illinois. It's a key reason why he's only 15 and 35 so far with the Illini. But the offense to me is was supposed to be the kind of the bright spot. And, and it was in 2018, Rod Smith's first season. And then it was for parts of 2019 was there. But you think back to the last six or seven games for Illinois, it's it's really been inconsistent and, and hit and miss on, on the offensive side of the ball. And again, it all starts with the quarterbacks. Um, and Illinois has got issues there in that, that room. Brandon Peters did not play well <clears throat> against Wisconsin. Yes, he did run the ball a few times for some positive gains, but those were more out of necessity than anything. Uh, his his throwing ability was, was off. And again, going back to last season too, Yes, he played exceptional in the fourth quarter at Michigan State. That largely overshadows what was a very ineffective first three quarters in East Lansing that day when Illinois was down so big. Then he plays okay at Iowa, gets hurt, misses the game at Northwest against Northwestern, plays decent in the bowl game but not great. So, I mean, and then Isaiah Williams comes in, and you're thinking, okay, maybe he can give them sort of a spark. And well, They had to call a timeout before he ran a play. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he just – He's a retro freshman. He's still young in his career. I sh- wouldn't say, you know, people should give up hope on him because he was such a Ballyhood recruit when he signed with Illinois and, and such high praise for him coming out of Trinity Catholic. But he's had some time in college football to get acclimated in his career so far. He's 3 of 13 passing for 38 yards and two, t- two interceptions. I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to get better if given a shot, but just the – the lack of ability to, to move the ball just on a consistent basis for an offense that was bringing back a ton of playmakers. And, you know, I guess when Mike Epstein fumbled the ball in the second play of the game Friday, that was kind of a, a foreshadowing of what's to come. And then you look at this offensive line. I know you, I know Steve, you and Lauren talked about it a little bit on, on Saturday, but all this praise is heaped on them before the season. They've got four starters coming back, four veteran guys, four experienced guys. They did not play well on Friday night. They got pushed around. Brandon Peters didn't have time to throw the ball in certain plays. They weren't able to create some running room. I mean, they're going to have to play a whole heck of a lot better uh, against Purdue this Saturday, and, and it's it's it was really disappointing to see just because you've heard Alex Pacheski talk and Doug Kramer and all those veteran guys, and when it came time to – when the lights came on Friday night and it was time to perform, they didn't perform. Another area, Scott Ritchie, where – Illinois has some experience on defense. It's in the secondary, and uh, they had to juggle that around a little bit uh, for personnel the other night, but uh, I expected more out of them. They 
those guys are running wide open over the middle. Yeah, and you know, having to move Tony Adams again, you know, back to cornerback, that wasn't a great start to that. You know, Devin Weatherspoon, you know, became you know, maybe one of Illinois' better defensive back options last year as a true freshman. Um so the the shakeup didn't help, but yeah, went back and watched the game uh, again, and you know, was broken. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the Big Ten does this thing on you know, Big Ten in sixty. You, know, you just watch yeah. the game in sixty minutes. It's only the plays. I I recommend that for football every every time. But um, yeah, Derek Smith had some breakdowns in coverage, and uh, those Jake Ferguson touchdowns for Wisconsin, where. Um, no one was within ten yards of him. Were Derek Smith, and I mean that it was his first game at Illinois, but it's not like he's new. It's a college football. I mean, he played at Miami, and it's just it didn't work. And as has become traditional, you can beat the Illinois defense right up the middle of the field. And that, that, there's a hole there unless everyone is doing exactly what they have to do. And um, Wisconsin, you know, took advantage of that. You can hear from uh, Lovey Smith tonight at 7 o'clock, the Lovey Smith Show with Brian Barnhart. Earlier today, Lovey uh, met with the uh, rest of the media. Here's a little bit of what he had to say. Yeah, it's pretty simple. You know, when you don't score any points offensively and you give up 45 points defensively, no matter how it happens, uh, not a good day at the office. But for us, it's what counts as one game. And, um, you know, normally you get to the first game and you truly see where you are. Um, and as I say, we're not as far along as I hope we would be, but we still have time to get there. When you have an effort like that, you can't wait to play uh, as soon as possible. Um, so we, of course, we watched the video with our team, and, and now it's moving on to Purdue. Purdue Boilermakers come to town. 11 o'clock is the kick time for that game on Saturday at Memorial Stadium. Another time was released today. Next week at Memorial Stadium against Minnesota will be 2.30. We'll take a break, take a timeout. We'll keep the phone lines open, 356-9397. If you'd like to join us, it is 5.36 now. On Monday Night Sports Talk, there were some interesting, entertaining games to come in the Big Ten on Saturday. We'll talk about those and some Illinois basketball as well when we come back on Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. Moving up on 5.39 as we head towards 6 o'clock on Monday Night Sports Talk. Steve Kelly along with News Gazette sports writers, sports editor Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen all around the table, socially distanced for the most part. I think we'd pass the test, don't yeah, you? I think so. Those two are like brothers anyway, so they can stand <laughs> near each other. That's fine. Scott and I joked when this all started that if we survive some of the local establishments in Charleston that... We'll be okay. There you go. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so far, so good on that. Some Big Ten football games besides the one on Friday night, uh, Wisconsin and Illinois. Six more on Saturday. I didn't watch every one of them. You start had to, to sleep finish. at some point, Steve. Well, yeah, I, I did sleep through uh, a little bit of uh, the Ohio State game once that got to be a, a blowout. But uh, the Indiana game and the Purdue game going at the same time, I found that fascinating going back and forth watching those and I thought it was a great move by Tom Allen to mm-hmm. go for the win, or sure. he's going to 
basically say this game's going to be over after this next play and go for it. And it was a controversial play, but I had, after watching it, I don't know if there, that there was enough evidence to overturn that, Bob. What would you think? No, I don't think there was. No, I think the officials got it, got it right. I think there's going to be a lot of people at Penn State unhappy. You know what? They've got the benefit of the doubt over the years. So I think that's, I think that worked out probably like Karma wanted to work out. Um, I think Indiana is clearly a lot better. Uh, they were – they won eight or nine games last year. I think eight. And they got won the bowl. The, got to the, no, they lost the bowl. Lost the bowl. Got to the Gator Bowl, though. Got lost, the Gator lost Bowl. Lost to Tennessee. Blew, That's right. Blew a late lead there. So they're they're a good team, and he's doing a good job. And that quarterback is fantastic, and they got a lot of players. So that team is – that was impressive. I, I was telling you guys before we got it back on the air, I tapped every Big Ten game this weekend except that one. By accident, I just forgot it or whatever. So I saw the highlight. I'm flipping around and say, Penn State and Indiana were playing a close game. So it's part of the end. But gosh, what a great game. Scott Ritchie recommends Big Ten and 60. <laughs> if you see that come on, you can, you can Next watch Next time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, in Indiana, you know, Penn State came into the game uh, eighth in the country, and, and Indiana wasn't ranked in the AP Top 25. And then the Hoosiers knocked off the Nittany Lions, and now Indiana's ranked 17th, and, and Penn State's down to. Down to 18, and uh, I think that just goes to show you, too, that the, the Big Ten East is, I would say, arguably the best division in, in college football. Uh, you've got Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Indiana now. Rutgers. Look at the powerhouses out in Piscataway <laughs> and Rutgers. I mean, Greg Schiano could be mayor for life out there if he wants to after he wins at Michigan State and, and his return to the Scarlet Knights. Ended a 21-game big. Seven turnovers by Michigan yeah. State. That's that's really trying to lose. But that <laughs> was – Rutgers, give that, Schiano, that's, that's Schiano ball. Give him, give him great credit for that. I mean, that was impressive that they were so ready. He's the quarterback, uh, their transfer for Nebraska played no, really drill, well. Yep. And, yeah. uh, Last seen playing for Nebraska in the Big Ten basketball tournament right. before that game. It's been a while, yeah. but but they looked they looked a lot better than anyone would have thought. Five Big Ten teams in the Associated Press top twenty-five. Four from the East, as we mentioned. Ohio State up to to number three. Is that about where you have them, Bob? That's exactly where I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've had them there for a couple weeks. Wisconsin number nine, Michigan thirteenth, Indiana as we mentioned seventeenth, Penn State is 18th. Minnesota, Northwestern, and Purdue also got at least one I got Minnesota in my top 25. Yeah, I do. I think one home loss to Michigan is not the end of the world for them. They'll come back. They play Maryland this week, then they'll play here. They have a chance to bounce back and have a good season. They had a lot of guys out, too, didn't they? They did. They had some issues, and their biggest thing there, and I couldn't believe it, they had no kicker. They literally no kicker. They they were kicking pooch kicks off for kickoffs, and putting the ball down like 20 yards or so, it was ugly. It's like, how you, how do you not have a kicker? But I think they had some issues in terms of injury and other things. So, again. Yeah, I mean, their kicker, punter, also, and then the guy that did like their kickoffs, was all, they're all ruled out. Speaking right. of yeah. kickers, what was the Indiana kicker thinking about late in that ball game when he hit that, like an onside kick almost, when he should have kicked it deep to, to pin pin to pin Penn State <laughs> back. They got the ball in great field position and went down and scored, but it was almost like he missed it. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, it, it's the beauty of college football. But yeah, that was a, it was a strange, strange play, and, uh, you know, it didn't end up costing Indiana in, in the long run. Um, just a, a great win by the, the Hoosiers, their first win against the top-ten team in 
33 years. Uh, the last time they did that was they beat Ohio State in 1987. So that just kind of shows you the the drought that Indiana football's had to try to get back to to relevancy. And uh, the other team in India, other Big Ten team in Indiana, Purdue. I know it was a home game against Iowa, and I don't know how much home field advantage really even matters in, in the COVID-19 era when nah, there's no fans. I don't think m- many people thought Purdue would win that game. No, exactly, yeah. especially without Rondale Moore. They're, they're all-American right. wide without receiver out, and, and without their coach, Jeff Brom. And, and uh, without one of their top running backs. Mm-hmm. And David Bell, co- uh, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, He's gets good. 13 wow. catches, 121 yards, three touchdowns, including the game winner. So it, it's I think it's – you couple what happened Friday night in Madison for Illinois, then you look what happened on Saturday in the rest of the Big Ten, and then you look at Illinois' schedule the rest of the way, and it's kind of concerning because Purdue's coming to town this Saturday. Right. I don't know if you feel great about that if you're an Illinois fan based on what happened in their openers for both teams. Then Minnesota comes to town. They're right on the cusp of a top 25 team. Everyone remembers what they did last year and winning 11 games and, and beating Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Then the you would think the one lock on Illinois' schedule for a win is Rutgers, and then they just kind of flip everything on on its head with its win against Michigan State, and it's just, and then Northwestern too. I mean, they just took Maryland. Found some offense, didn't they? They did. They <laughs> carried over what they had in Champaign last November to uh, <laughs> their opener in Evanston, and then just took Maryland to the woodshed. And I don't know. The, I think what you're seeing with Illinois is how nice it is to have non-conference games to yeah. start the season before Big Ten play rolls around because, what, it's been 10 years since Illinois won, posted a 500 record in Big Ten play, 2010 right. Right. was the last team that did so. Ever since then, they've been under 500, and I think in a in a shortened season like this where it's only you have nine games, eight regular season games on that championship week game, it just really shows you what teams are kind of – who separates themselves in the pack of the Big Ten, and right now Illinois – you know, on the lower lower peg. Nebraska hung with Ohio State for about a half. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. Ohio State is in contention. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 it's like an NFL team. And I, I was watching that game, and I think I was I think I told Julie at some point, I said, I don't think Ohio State is ever going to be stopped. I mean, it looked like they literally could do whatever they want, and they have a great advantage because Justin Fields is the best quarterback this side of Trevor Lawrence in the country. No question, he's great. But he's got so much help. He's got great receivers. He's got great, great running backs. He's got everything. The line's good. Now, their question, I would say, based on that game, and Steve, maybe you saw this too, their defense is not maybe as good as it was last year or the year before. They're, they lost some great players. They do have Sean Wayne back, but that's not enough. They, they're missing some parts, especially up front. You can run on them. You can pass on them. But their offense is going to score. If they want to score 70 points, they'll score 70 points. And they might do that. Yeah, they might. And, I mean, it'll be interesting in, in terms of the Big Ten West this weekend because Nebraska, I think everyone knows about how the Big Ten kind of threw some shade at them and, and gave them a really difficult schedule. Not probably intentionally. <laughs> but, but Wisconsin's coming to Lincoln this Saturday, so I think that's a good game, a good barometer for where is Wisconsin really, really good or are they just kind of the Wisconsin's of the past, or is this the Who's chance Who's the quarterback? For, that's, yeah, that's a very, very good question. question. If it's Danny Wolf, then I don't think Nebraska's going to be quite as worried. True. That's of a good course, point. we hadn't heard of – we'd have barely heard of Graham Mertz this time last week. So <laughs> so that guy was 9 of 10 last year. I know. So he's, so he's, what he, so he's missed on, two quick, passes. Quick mental math, Bob. I can't do it's it. 29 nine. of 30. <laughs> Thank you. 30 well, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some basketball to talk about, too. But first, one more football note. Uh-huh. 
Bears tonight, Monday Night Football, against the Rams. Scott, who you got? Bear down. I mean, I, I told you know, Matt this earlier today. I mean, the Rams are the favorite and they'll probably win, but we're living in the upside down, so <laughs> give me the Bears. Six and one. Best team in the NFC. Doesn't make any sense, From a but it could happen. Pure selfish standpoint, Scott just hopes that Bryce Hopkins actually commits at six thirty tonight instead of waiting till Monday night football starts. Yeah, Good lead good. into that. That's where we it's were a going. Segway. Segway, we call it in the biz. Six thirty is his announcement. Um apparently it's Kentucky and everybody else and Illinois is in that group of everybody else. I mean Illinois is leading the group of everybody yeah, else. Sure. Yeah, so let's say it's a Kentucky Illinois decision because maybe Illinois would be second in that. I don't know. But judging by what we hear and what you know. Um, I mean, Illinois is not out of it because it's not 630 yet, but Kentucky's the favorite to, to land Bryce Hopkins and has been, I think, almost from the minute John Calipari offered him not long after he de- decommitted from Louisville. So it's not over till it's over, you know, that, that old saying, but uh, Illinois – Unless it's an October surprise, we're going to have to keep searching in the class of 2021. What else is new in uh, recruiting, basketball recruiting? Uh, a few more offers out there last week um, in the 2021 classes. Maybe uh, Illinois pivots again a little bit. but uh, And a couple of international guys. Uh, one, uh, R.J. Melendez, Richard from Puerto Rico, um, played on one of the junior national teams with Edgar Padilla Jr., who's a, a freshman walk-on. Um, and obviously, I mean, Andre Corbello's been in that, you know, Team Puerto Rico mm-hmm. system. Uh, but Melendez plays high school basketball in Florida at a small school in Kissimmee. Uh, really talented. They won kind of the independent association state championship in Florida last year. Um, beat West Oaks Academy, which is a, a, a pretty good team. You know, put up good numbers, and he's 6'9", 195 guard, got great size. Um, and the other 2021 offer was Mustafa um, Zeal, and like, he literally just got to the U.S. this month. Uh, he's from uh, Finland originally, has played for Finland in multiple FIBA events, kind of at, at two different age groups, uh, 6'10", 215, plays on the wing. I mean, he's uh, one of those, the, the modern big men at, at 6'10". So... Two more names to, to add to the list if maybe Bryce Hopkins doesn't wind up in Champaign. Let's uh, talk about the schedule or lack thereof. Still lack thereof <laughs> at this Could point. Could this be a season where the college basketball season starts and some teams don't have a completed schedule yet? Yes, 100%. Yeah. And things got a little more uncertain today with ESPN announcing that it was canceling its bubble in Orlando, which was – Set up to be a gathering place for you know, a bunch of multi-team events and you know, also some shootout type things. Illinois was reportedly supposed to play Baylor in the Jimmy V Classic in Orlando. That game still might happen. It just won't be in Florida. Uh, there's been you know, some discussion on Twitter that the Champions Classic and the Jimmy V would move to Indy. And I think that would be like December 2nd. Um, but that's... Real cool. Twitter rumor at the moment. Real quick solution. We were talking about this pre in our pre-production meeting. Just do a conference-only schedule for basketball. I like it. Solves. I think all Brand sorts Under, Brad Underwood would, would like that too. Solves all sorts of issues that are out there right now, in, in terms of scheduling, and, and yes, not 
I, I guess you could say, okay, play in the Big Ten, it'd be easy. You have 26 games, you play each team twice. Yes, that isn't the same case for like the Big 12 or the SEC. Well, the SEC has 14, so that's a bad example. Pac 12, but you figure out a way where it's just conference only because that was the big hindrance in, in getting football back is mm-hmm. they didn't want to have the specter of, okay, what are other teams doing as far as that? So that's why you're seeing all these conference only schedules where everyone can be on the the same page when it comes to protocols and testing. So just do that for basketball. Well, there have been several national college basketball writers that have you know, said that there have been several coaches that have said just cut out the non-conference games. It's not going to work mm-hmm. and go conference only. And the reason the Orlando bubble burst um, was because of you know, no no clear-cut. Yeah, I mean, the, the testing procedures that they wanted to do, not everyone agreed with, and what it would mean, like, if someone tested positive in Orlando, that, like, one of the rules was that you got to stay in Orlando for two weeks. Like, I, I get low-major and mid-major teams, and they want to play the chance to, to have a, a shot against Power 5 opponents, and then there's that financial component, too, of schools playing Power 5 teams, but... You know, the buy games of are not going to pay out like they used exactly. to. Exactly, and, and realistically, in the NCAA tournament, you're only going to get one team in from the conference, those conferences, anyway, whoever wins the conference tournament. So just play a conference schedule, and, and that way I think it relieves a lot of uncertainty that is swirling on out there, and, and you could actually have sort of a, I think, a plan that would make all coaches and players and administrators feel a lot better about the situation. So in the Big Ten's case, you could play 26 conference games mm-hmm. and one marquee game one sure non-conference game whether whether it's missouri yeah. or the big 10 acc challenge or yeah there you go whatever yeah i, I think that's a you great idea solved it. steve solved it he brought up the idea earlier i think it's a great idea it's fantastic yeah you were late for the production meeting yeah. uh, i was Bob. i thought it was here but never mind <laughs> <laughs> i think side, I was note, side, side note we never have pre-production meetings on this show it's more yeah, like we do we talk in more like banter and discussions yeah. so why well, I, I think the main thing yeah, here infor- very informal the Big Ten is clearly going to be an awesome conference, right? A monster mm-hmm. conference. So, what's the problem with not having them go outside? Because we know they're all the teams. We get a good feel after twenty-six conference games. Who's good? Right. Correct. I'm old. No. Now it's, it will hurt the Big Ten, I think, right? Because they won't be able to. You won't have some of those. But eight, I think. Nine, I, but teams. I think. I think this year you could throw out the window. Say, okay, there's an, a Rutgers team that finishes 11-15. You could get them in the tournament over someone that yeah. only plays. All right. Interesting. Moving up on five fifty-five. Need to take our final break. We'll be back with some final words. Find out what these lads are working on uh, this week in their jobs here at the News Gazette and on the radio as well. Is 5.58, heading towards 6 o'clock here on Monday Night Sports Talk. You two guys, Bob and I are of age. <laughs> you two guys are too young to remember this, but it was 35 years ago tonight. World Series game number six. The Royals and the St. Louis Don Cardinals. Don Deaconger. Don Deaconger and uh, the rest is history. Joaquin and went haywire the next put, night. I can put good money on the fact that my dad was probably cursing at the TV. <laughs> I was behind this, behind a big screen, and so it looked like George Orta went to third base. <laughs> I, was, I was on reverse, so I was watching. That was crazy. Okay, Bob, <laughs> tell us what you're working on 
this week as we head towards the Purdue game. Lots of columns. going to write uh, my 20 things, my yeah. 20 thoughts. We're going to do that every week. Mm-hmm. We have a great uh, Mike Carmen is going to be our guest for. Uh, we got some cool stories about Lou Henson too. Oh yeah, up this week we got a big uh, symposium at the university mm-hmm. on Wednesday night, and Scott talked to Ed Hightower and Rob Evans, and Tuesday and Bob we got a column with uh, Jim Phillips, the Northwestern athletic director, about Henson coming Wednesday. And Scott's got the latest on basketball recruiting and scheduling as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for the most part, uh, no news is good news. <laughs> <laughs> We're we'll about see. out of time, Scott. We'll find out about that. And uh, we appreciate you listening, though. Don't forget Lovey Smith's show coming up in just about one hour right here on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly for Bob and Matt and Scott. Thanks to Ed Bond as well. Have a good night, everybody.